I have interviewed over a hundred of these extreme high achievers, NBA champions, NFL hall of famers, Olympic champions, astronauts, um, Nobel prize winners, senior government officials. I mean, you name it. Yeah. And they are the nicest people in the world. And they were so giving with their time. And as I talked about these four elements of success, you will actually hear their story of how it relates to that. And when I interviewed these people, and these are really famous people, I said to them, I'm not interested in what I can Google about you. Yeah. I'm interested in what it took to get there. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Only those who dare to feel greatly can achieve greatly. And this is by Robert F. Kennedy. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Podcast with Sheila. Our guest for today is Chief Learning Officer and Assistant Professor of Education in Anesthesiology, former Assistant Dean of Mentoring and Executive Director of the Mentoring Academy at Well Cornell Medicine, Dr. Ruth Goshen. She will be sharing with us today her successful life journey and her work as a doctor in general. Hello, Dr. Ruth, and welcome to Podcast with Sheila. Hello, I'm so excited to be here with you today. It's a delight to host you today, actually. Do you have a favorite quote you'd like to share with us today? I do, and I, I don't know who said it first, but it's become my mantra. Okay, great. They said to her, you cannot withstand the storm. She said to them, I am the storm. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Let's get to know you a bit more. So who is Dr. Ruth? So my name is Dr. Ruth Gautian. I am from New York. I actually started my career in banking and finance and quickly went back to academia where I ran a combined MD-PhD program where my students became physician scientists. They got both an MD and a PhD degree. And then at the age of 43, while working full-time and raising my family, I decided that I needed to cure that itch, my obsession with success. And I, while working full-time, went back to school to get my doctorate. And I studied how adults learn, right? Which is different from the K through 12 model. And leadership, why certain people succeed and others don't. And my original research was on the most successful scientists, physician scientists of our generation. So those were the Nobel Prize winners and people like that. And I found that they all did four things in common. And then I was curious if other extreme high achievers did those same four things. And I realized as I was interviewing these astronauts and Olympic champions and CEOs that they all do the same four things, which means a Nobel prize winning scientist is just like a gold medal figure skater. And if that's the case, these can be learned skills. And if they're learned skills, I'm an adult educator. I can teach them. So I go around the globe talking about the four elements of success, what I call the success factor. I wrote a book about it called the success factor. I write about it in Forbes and psychology today and academic journals But it's not enough to just talk about these things. I actually need to teach people how to implement these things in their own lives. What kind of an adult educator would I be 
if I didn't put practice with theory. So that's what I do. That's the whole third section of the book, The Success Factor. And uh, fun fact, I read 70 to 100 books a year. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Great. I want to find out something little before we actually move on. You said you mentioned that you went in for your doctorate at age 43 when you had your family and you had a full-time job going. How did you do it? I know it's very difficult doing your doctorate with your family on the side and a full-time job on the side. So it's like, to me, it's like you already have two full-time jobs because being a mom is a full-time job on its own. Plus your own, how did you do it? Share with us your experience. So I really learned how to optimize time. There's a difference between working two effective hours and working 10 ineffective hours. So I really learned how to optimize my my cognitive hours that I call them. So I am a morning person, which means I can get more done by 10 a.m. than I likely can the rest of the day. So I would wake up extra early in the morning, get work done. On the weekends before people woke up, I had already put in five hours of work. I did my part. And remember, I love learning when you go at that age, you love it. You're doing it for yourself. You're not doing it because other people are pressuring you to do it. And frankly, I would still be in school if, if I could, because I just loved, I love the learning. Yeah. So I really learned to optimize my time. I had to say no to a lot of things. A lot of things were really put on hold. I used to host people all the time at my house for holiday dinners, et cetera. I had to have other people do that. The house did not look perfectly in order all the time. Learn to live with that. I also did not have time to watch TV. Yeah. I didn't. And I told you that I read 70 to 100 books yeah. a year. Yeah. But those, that was on pause while I was in school. Oh. I could, the only time I could read books for pleasure was actually on the breaks between semesters. So I would just devour them reading three a week. My God, um, the 70 to 100 books a year, that is a very impressive thing. And I think that is something I would like to emulate if I can. I'll be excited to do that for myself. And I'm going to try. I may not do 70, I may probably do 20, 20, 30, but at least I've done some, you know, I've taken a step towards. How about you do one more than you're doing now and start with that? Great, great, great. Right? You know, it's it's just like, and this is really part of the success factor. It's, and I I say, it's always like, it's like a diet. Do you want to lose 50 pounds or one pound at a time? Losing 50 pounds just sounds like way too much too work. Much. Yeah. But one pound, I could lose a pound. Yeah. And then it becomes addictive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I lost more. Yeah. I lost more. Oh, this yeah. book is great. This book is great. What else yeah. did this person write? What yeah. other books are in this genre? And, and you know, and one of the things that I talk about is it's one of the four elements is continuous learning through informal means. And one of the ways is books, right? That's how the billionaires enjoy reading, the Mark Cuban and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. But that doesn't work for everybody. Certain people don't have time. Certain people don't like to read it. Other people can't hold their concentration for that long. Remember I told you I have to give practical tools to go with theory? So one of the things, it's, it's not the reading that made Bill Gates and Warren Buffett billionaires, it's that they were open to new knowledge. So books works for them, 
but there's so many other ways that you can do it. So you can read articles, you can read blogs, you could listen to podcasts such as this one. Hopefully the listeners are learning something new. You could watch YouTube videos. There are so many ways that you can learn in informal means. While books work for me, you have to do what works for you. And there's so many different options out there. Great. Great, great. Why are you referred to as a prolific mentor and educator? Why am I referred to? Yes, that's what um, Thinkers 50, when I made the radar list uh, this year, um, it was the top 30 emerging management thinkers in the world. And I have done a lot of work and research and writing about mentorship because mentorship has changed over the years. We used to think that it was, I'm the young person and I have to go to a senior person and they're going to teach me everything they know. But that's not really not the contemporary approach. There are other ways of doing that, which includes teams of mentors, which includes people who are senior to you, people who are junior to you, people who are at your level, inside your organization, outside your organization. It's mentoring has been completely reimagined. And everyone who's mentored out earns and outperforms those who are not. As such, there's actually a business case for actually having a team of mentors. And in fact, all of the high achievers I've spoken to, astronauts, Nobel Prize winners, Olympic champions, they all surrounded themselves with a team of mentors. So I ask, if that's what the high achievers do, why do we think we're better than that and we don't need that so i've been researching mentorship and and high achievers for a long time and in fact if your listeners would like to know how to create their own mentoring team Mm -hmm. obviously i talk about in the book the success factor but to get started they can actually download a worksheet from my website that has that template which is ruthgotian.com slash mentoring team What do high achievers have in common? Yes, they have four things in common. And these are not habits because we can't copy other people's habits. I said, I'm a morning person. If you're a night owl, you can't all of a sudden start waking up at five in the morning. You're not going to be functional. But there are certain things that we can learn. And there's actually four things. And the one, you have to do all four together, but there's one that you start with. And that's tapping into your why figure out what you're passionate about, what it is that is your purpose, why you wake up in the morning and you can't quiet your mind when you have to go to sleep. It's what we call intrinsic motivation. You're doing it for yourself. There's a burning question inside of you. And this is very different from extrinsic motivation, which is you're doing it for diplomas, recognitions, awards, promotion. Sheila, that's other people judging you. And if other people are judging you all the time, you can't maintain that, that motivation. It's not going to stick. And those are the people who usually fail out or burn out. So you have to start from within. So that's the first one. The second one is when you have figured out what it is that you love, what you do, you are going to outwork everyone and you're going to do a better job than anyone, right? So just remember of you know, if you had to take ballet classes or piano mm-hmm. classes or violin classes or whatever mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. there's some people that it was torture to get them to practice. Yeah. And then there's other people that just getting, you know, every free moment they had, yeah. they want to strum a few keys on the guitar or practice whatever it is every chance they get because they love it so much. Yeah. So 
that's what you want to do. The third thing is you have to have a strong foundation, which you're constantly reinforcing. I don't know of a single Nobel Prize winner who stopped doing science just because they won the Nobel Prize. In fact, the same things that they did early in their career are the same things they do later in their career. All the Olympians, they have the same warm-up drills they have in any junior high gym. It's exactly the same. And the last one is what we talked about. It's learning through informal means, right? So we talked about the books and the webinars and podcasts and YouTube, and they surround themselves with a team of mentors because they learn from people and they value those discussions. So those are the four points of the success factor. I have two questions in mind I want to ask you. I'm going to try and get them out right. One is, so if you find yourself as a handy person, let's say you are good with hair. I'm going to start with something very menial. You are good with doing hair. Yeah. Focused on that. Yeah. And then from that, you become a high achiever because you're comfortable in that area and you are passionate about it. So you definitely excel in there. Is, right. Is, so that's definitely the beginning. So if you love doing hair, right? If that is your passion, you're actually going to start reading magazines to looking at all these new designs and techniques and tools. The regular person doesn't look at that. They're not so interested in that, but you're going to really look into it and get excited and push yourself to try these harder things. You're going to constantly challenge yourself. And because you love it so much, you're actually going to work harder to perfect it. So you're intrinsically motivated by that hair. You're going to challenge yourself and work harder to get it right because you love it so much. And the things that you did early to get yourself to this point, you're going to continue doing whatever those things are. And then you're constantly going to learn. You're not going to sit in a classroom, but you might read from talking to other um, people who work on hair, or you might read some articles or look at Instagram for different things or look at webinars or talk to people. And this is, so it can be with absolutely anything, but once you tap into it, you see how that's a launching pad for everything else. Can we then say that when you decide on what you actually want to do, you don't really need too much of education. You just need something to get by, like to be able to read so that when you see something about an article about something you love, you'll be able to read and understand. So if you get your basic reading skills up, that's enough. Then you actually branch off into something you want to do. So then you don't need to go and do a first degree, a second degree, when you know you're not going to use it, but straight away branch off so that you don't waste time. It, it depends. It depends what it is you want to do, right? So... Um, and where it is that you want to go. So the, the Nobel Prize winners I spoke about all had advanced degrees in science because they needed that, right? But so it depends what it is that you're doing. The CEOs I spoke to didn't have a doctorate. They didn't need that. They didn't need that third degrees. The Olympians uh, did not have it. I'm trying to think if there's any of them that had it. No, they didn't. Um, So it's really just going deep into what it is that you love doing so much. But here's the thing. You have to realize that what you love now might change, might change when you have a transition, a new partner, a move, a job, or you're really just tired of this and you want to try something new and that's okay. You just start figuring out, you do what's called a passion audit. 
to figure out what it is that you love. Because, and that's one of the things that we learned during the pandemic, that things we really enjoyed two years ago, we don't want to do anymore. Exactly. So we have what's called this passion audit. And if your listeners want to download one, again, obviously it's in the book, The Success Factor, but to get started, they can go back to my website, ruthgotian.com slash passion audit. Beautiful. Beautiful. What is the role of mentorship as it relates to high achievers? So a mentor is really your guide by your side. They believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And they really have two main roles. One of the roles is really to help you with your career, to to help you dream bigger than you thought was even possible, and then work with you to actually get there. The other point is the psychosocial support. Not every day is rainbows and puppy dogs, right? Some days are tough. Nothing works out, right? And sometimes those days are continuous for multiple days or weeks or months. So they're there, I call them to be your cheerleader, right? To give you that perspective. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. you're so deep in the jar, you can't read the label. They're Mm -hmm. there to put things in perspective and encourage you to keep going and to try new things. How can you pick a mentor? Can anybody be a mentor? Can your sister be a mentor? Can your mom be a mentor? Can anybody be? All of the above, yes. So how can you know that this particular person will be a good mentor to me? You you don't know. So you don't actually ask anyone to be your mentor. Instead, because if you ask them to be your mentor, you're actually asking them to take on another job, another obligation. Most people don't have time for that. But start asking people for their perspective, for their ideas, for their thoughts about whatever you're working on and see who you connect with because the best mentoring relationships are organic. Mm. So that's really the best way. And it can be your parent, your sibling, absolutely, your best friend, all of the above. You mentioned that high achievers are lifelong um, learners. What are the ways adults can learn new things? So that's where it goes to, it's the constant learning through informal means. So that could be the books, the journals, the newspapers, the podcasts, the YouTube, the talking to people, the webinars, going to lectures. Mm -hmm. There's courses on things like LinkedIn learning. So I'm going to have a few courses there. Um, And and there's other such such, uh, companies as well that has them, but they're constantly trying to take in new ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different ways to do it. So you find the way that works for you. And remember what works for you today may not work for you in a year from now. So you always need lots of options. Great. How do achievers deal with challenges? Uh Ah, so this is, you know, a lot of people when they're faced with challenges, Mm -hmm. they just quit. They just quit. I can't do this. I've had enough. Mm. But the high achievers actually look at things very differently. They they look at a challenge as a learning opportunity. So what are the things that I can learn from this? They never question if they will overcome the challenge because they know that they will. So instead, they think about what is the strategy I haven't considered yet? I will go over it, under it, through it, around it. I will get to the other side. I just haven't figured out yet how I'm going to do that. So their whole focus and their mindset shifts from if to how. And once you do that, you can accomplish anything. So imagine the Olympians. They have been training all their lives for the Olympics. And then the pandemic happened. And it was postponed for a year. Yeah. 
So what did they do? Well, they can't control that there's a pandemic. So high achievers control what they can control. So they could not control the pandemic, but they could control how they work out, sleep, eat, and who they surround themselves with yeah. during yeah. that extra year. Yeah. And that's yeah. what the top ones did. I believe that is vital that high achievers surround themselves with the right people, isn't it? Absolutely. Frankly, I think we all need to surround ourselves with the right, the right people. people. Exactly. Exactly. How can someone find what they are passionate about? I think we've spoken about that already. You see what comes easily to you, isn't it? And then yeah, so it's what comes easily to you, but you love it. And you get into what we call a state of flow where you're so focused Mm-hmm. that time just melts away. So I tell people, look at what you're, procra- when you procrastinate, mm-hmm. what is mm-hmm. it that you procrastinate doing? What is it you love doing? And what, when do you get into a state of flow? Because that will give you a hint as to what it is that you're passionate about. It's beautiful. Um, one of my sisters, I remember when we were growing up, all of us, my, my parents wanted everybody to get a first degree. So my, my brother had it, I had it. And then she comes next and she was asked to go for it. So she did, she went to the university, but she did one year and came out and she told my dad, I don't want to go to the university. I'm not cut out for that. And I remember my dad will not agree to it. He said, you have to, and she didn't want it. And so they asked her, what do you want to do? She said, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And after a long lengthy time of talking to my dad about it, trying to convince him, finally he said, okay, go and do whatever you want to do. So she went that way. And trust me, she's one of the best fashion designers in Ghana now. And they are char- you know, those people charge a lot now. So yes, they do. Yeah, because they do made to order garments and all. And she's fulfilled. And when she started that journey, I remember all her assignments, she would not go to bed. Whilst all of us are sleeping, she will still be burning the candle, working, working, working. And we realized she was just passionate about it. And she yeah. was doing it so well. She never, I never heard her say, I'm tired. But we felt on the other side, we will feel that she's tired. Take a break, take a break. Yeah. But she never took. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And looking at what she's achieved over the years, it just goes to prove that high achievers, when you're passionate about something and then you pursue it and all of that, you actually become best at it. And then people get to recognize you for what you do because you're doing it so well. That's right. That's absolutely right. You, you, you got it. You got it. You got the success factor. Another thing I want to ask, how is it that high achievers tend to lose it all? They get all the money and all of a sudden they lose it. Like somebody like Nicolas Cage, the film actor, and then Dennis Rodman. They get all the money, they get all the fame, everything they wanted that comes with the high achievement, and then they lose it all. How is that? What happens? So this is very interesting because these are people that focused on one goal instead of always having multiple goals afterwards. So all of these people who I have spoken to, they didn't stop what they were doing. There was always more that they wanted to do. They want an Olympic medal. They want to win another one. They want to go to the World Series. They want to finish it because it it ran its course and they want to write a book or go to law school or whatever it is. And it's interesting. I asked them about it and they said, you know, the Olympics were a chapter in my life. It's not my entire story. And in fact, I ask all of the Olympians when we're done to show me their medals. And it's really interesting. Two had it on display, but almost all the others, 
it was not on display. It was in a box under the bed. It was in a safe. It was in a brown paper bag in the nightstand or in the sock drawer because they don't define themselves with that piece of success. That is something that happened on their way to a bigger goal. They never lost sight of that. And that's why they were successful. Oh, if I understand correctly. So when you define yourself with your success, do you lose track of it? Is that what you mean? It's not that you lose track of it. It's never about the gold medal. Mm. There's always something bigger. It's about pushing yourself further than you thought possible. The medal is just something that happens along the way. Mm. So most of them, like one of them, he said, uh, who was a, he's in the hall of fame for the national football league. He said, all of his awards, except for one are in his mom's basement and some boxes. One of them, a gold medal figure skater said he actually gave them all away Mm. to the figure skating hall of fame. He said it was just too constraining. He said it was, it was, you know, as if it was choking him. So he got rid of it. He said it was never about the medal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fascinating, wow. right? It is. It is because you think that because I know if you, sometimes when you go to some people's homes, <laughs> you see a display of medals, a display of trophies and all of that. So you tend to think that you will have probably, even probably have like a shrine for it, you know, like, yeah, yeah but so they don't have a shrine no shrine (laughs) my god these are interesting facts is there anything you would love to talk about your book that we've not discussed so the book is called the success factor it's available for pre-sale now and it's coming out in january i am so excited because i have interviewed over a hundred of these extreme high achievers NBA champions, NFL Hall of Famers, Olympic champions, astronauts, um, Nobel Prize winners, senior government officials. I mean, you name it. Yeah. And they are the nicest people in the world. And they were so giving with their time. And as I talked about these four elements of success, you will actually hear their story of how it relates to that. And when I interviewed these people, and these are really famous people. Yeah. I said to them, I'm not interested in what I can Google about you. Yeah. I'm interested in what it took to get there. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. And nobody ever asked them to talk about that. And they were so happy. So that's what we talked about. It's called the success factor. There's actually, besides talking about the four elements, as I said, I teach people how to implement it in their own lives, but we are all different. Yeah. So I, act, yeah. I give a buffet of options you can pick yeah. from. Yeah. And I realize that what works today may not work in a year from now. Okay. So I tell people, you can leave this book on your nightstand. Whenever you're having trouble with one section, you just open to that chapter yeah. and there's yeah. your, your blueprint for you. And then because I am an adult educator, I needed to give people things that they can work on and templates So there are templates for a goal audit, a passion audit, a mentoring team development. I mean, it it is shockful. And I am so, so excited that that everyone's going to actually get to hear these these stories and learn about it. Because Sheila, I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning aiming to be average. I think people really want to be successful. Yeah. But they try all these random things that don't necessarily work. So I figured out how these 
extreme high achievers became successful. Then I reverse engineered it and created a blueprint and wrote a book about it and teach it to anybody who will listen. Because I think if we, everybody who wants to improve their success, which I think are everybody listening here, if each one improved it just a little bit, can you imagine how much better our world would be? Yeah. How much more productive, yeah. how much yeah. more efficient, how much more innovative, how much yeah. more beautiful Yeah. if yeah. everyone did just a little bit better. And exactly. I think people want to. Yeah. And this is just, this is just my way of leaving a mark and helping out. You know, that thing you said about uh, meeting all these um, high achievers and they're so nice and so humble and all of that. It took me aback because you tend to think that people who have achieved high tend to be a bit snobbish, tend to have, yeah, you know, and I'm surprised all these people you mentioned, you said you've met are this humble and nice. And I don't know why, but I'm beginning to think that the truly high achieving people go through a lot and their lives get to be shaped up. Yeah, People who achieve kind of not say little, but not as high as, they are the people who tend to be very rude. Yeah. Not so nice people. That is what I'm beginning to think. When they achieve very little, when we achieve very little, then we tend to be very, but people, and that goes to prove why they don't even display their medals and their trophies and all of that. It's interesting, Sheila. So one of the things I realized, and I did these background checks on every person after I was introduced to them, Um, all of the high achievers give back in some way, the ones I have spoken to. So they either help one-on-one or they help big groups, but they're always giving back in some way. I think that's what makes them whole. And I think that's what keeps them grounded. And I think that's what made them such a joy to work with. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> so we've got into the time of truth. I'm going to ask you a few questions. It's meant to be fun. And then we get to know you a bit more as well. So what right. is your greatest wish of all time? My greatest wish is that anybody who wants to be successful will have the ability and resources to achieve their greatest success. Great. What makes you happy? Uh, being with my, my family and reading. Do you believe in miracles? I believe that luck is when preparation and opportunity meet. Miracles might be thrown in there like pixie dust. Do you believe, sorry, what is your mission in life? Oh, my mission in life is to make people successful. Great. Your favorite phrase? Never underestimate a girl with the book. That's by Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Great. Finish these sentences. I will love to... Help make, help leave this world a little better than I found it. Great. Great. I believe I will forever treasure... The time with my family. I pray. That my family remains well and happy. Great. I cannot. 
I cannot imagine a time without a book or Wi-Fi. I believe. I believe people can be successful. Great. What will your final message be to our listeners as we wrap up? I, I really hope that everyone can, who wants to achieve success can achieve success. And I'm really hoping the success factor helps with that. Great. Where can our listeners connect with you? So I can be found at ruthgotian.com on social media. It's all just my name. And uh, the book is called The Success Factor, and it's available wherever you love buying books. I think I'm going to get one for myself. I think, <laughs> yeah, you. I think I'm going to get one for myself. And, and if you are listening as well, I think you should get one for yourself. Because from what I read, you know, the synopsis and everything else I read on your um, website and then the little script you sent to me, I think that is everything. It should be like a Bible, you know, everything everybody should have. There should be one in every house. If you want to be successful, you should actually have one. And I'm definitely going to get one for myself. We would like to say a massive thank you, Ruth, for coming on podcast with Sheila today. Thank you so much. Great. If you've been listening in, this is season two episodes of our podcast series where we've been bringing your way seasoned guests with inspiring real life stories to share with us. Do not miss out on all these lovely experiences. Subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released. Whilst at it, please drop us a rating. We have a video presentation of this episode on our YouTube channel. Just search for Podcast with Sheila on YouTube and you'll find us. Until we meet. Again.